The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this October 25th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins with you, host of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 for the next two hours, right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Another gorgeous day. We've had a ton of pretty days in a row uh, here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're doing well. We're almost halfway through the work week and getting into the back half of the work week as we get closer and closer closer to Auburn and Mississippi State. We've started to move out of Auburn Ole Miss and we're starting to talk Auburn and Mississippi State. And it seems like there are not a lot of people, maybe not as many people excited about this game this weekend. I'm just expecting it to be a boring slugfest and it very well could be. But I think there are some really big things to highlight uh, with this matchup. And so that's what we are going to do today. Um, it is it, it's Wednesday, and as we get closer, we heard from the quarterbacks yesterday. Uh, we are definitely going to talk about that. We got some updates on an injury, a big update on the offensive side of the football that we're going to talk about today. It is Rivalry Wednesday, and we will talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, we have tons of football to talk about with him and some breaking basketball news that we get to talk about with Jordan Hill today as well. So really excited for that. No Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Bama's bye week. Um, letting him have the week off. We'll pick up back with him next Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday. But we do have the interview uh, that Bill and Dan did yesterday with head coach Bruce Pearl for Auburn basketball. So we're going to play that for you coming up in the second hour. So excited to bring that for you. It was a great interview. Those guys did a great job. I'm um, excited to bring that for you in the second hour. So Jordan Hill coming up in about 30 minutes. Until then and around then, phone lines are open. Give us a call. What's on your mind? How are you feeling on a Wednesday Are you excited for Auburn, Mississippi State this weekend? Are you excited? Are you going? Um, Are you? Do you have expectations for this game? I've seen people label it as a must-win. Are you in that category? Where do you stand right now as we flip the page and look ahead to Auburn and Mississippi State this weekend? I want to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. 334-321-1390. Well, I mentioned that we heard from the quarterbacks yesterday. Uh, The Auburn quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne, and Robbie Ashford. And these guys had some interesting things to say, uh, to, to, to say the least. I mean, they, they were really honest and straight up about a lot of things, and a lot of Auburn media 
ask them some really good questions. And I want to highlight some of the things that Peyton Thorne had to say, and I want to highlight some of the things that Robbie Ashford had to say. And before we break down what they said, we have to remind ourselves what we've seen so far this season. You've seen Peyton Thorne start the majority of the games, and you've seen Peyton Thorne get the majority of the snaps. But Hugh Freeze has told us since day one, when asked about the quarterbacks, since Peyton Thorne got here, he's been telling us since day one of the season that Robbie Ashford was going to have packages, that Robbie Ashford was going to have plays, and he was going to see time because he's too talented to not be on the field. And we have since seen this very confusing two-quarterback system. And a lot of us, myself included, have been calling for consistency, pick one, let's go with it, and let's just build a little momentum with one singular guy. And that hasn't happened yet. And doesn't sound like it's going to happen anytime soon. Which, you can chalk that up to whatever you want to, whether it be a lack of confidence in either one of the quarterbacks or you really are confident that Robbie has to be on the field in a certain extent, but you don't want him to be on there the full extent, or whatever the case may be. From what we've seen so far... And from what we've heard from Hugh Freeze, doesn't sound like that game plan's going to change a whole lot. Whether you like it or not, so far it just doesn't sound like it's going to change. Well, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford talked about that yesterday. And very, very interesting comments on a lot of these different questions. And I want to start with Peyton Thorne talking about how this team has to execute, um, that it's very, very frustrating that the offense is having the same issues as they were in week one as they are right now, seven and eight games into the season. Um, he didn't give a long comment, but he admitted that it's extremely frustrating to to be having these same issues. And I think a lot of fans share that same frustration, right? We've talked about that here on the show, how it is frustrating to watch that the offensive struggles have not gotten any better. And it's the same struggles that you had in week one or week two against Cal that you had against Ole Miss this past week, right? So Peyton Thorne expressed the the frustration there. Um, the big one that I want to talk about that he was asked directly about is the quarterback rotation. And he was asked about how difficult that is. And here's what Peyton Thorne had to say. He said, quote, it's a good question. He said, I don't know. I've never had to do that before. He said, it's a new challenge for me. I've never really seen anybody else do that either. So I don't know if there's anybody I can ask to learn from. Every time I'm in there, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do and do what I'm being coached to do and execute to make a play when we need it. And he says a little bit more, but I think that's the important part of it. Let me say it again. He says, I've never had to do that before, talking about the difficulty of this quarterback rotation. Never had to do that before, he says. It's a new challenge for me. I've never really seen anybody else do that, so I don't know if there's anybody I can ask to learn from. Every time I'm in there, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do and do what I'm being coached to do and execute and make a play when we need it. And we've had this discussion. Think about how hard it is for a QB1 like Peyton Thorne, who, no, he may not be 
performing to the highest level and, and meeting the expectations that I think Auburn fans and a lot of us in Auburn media, Auburn radio, set for him. But think about how hard it is to be in his position where you're trying to get better, you're trying to get some confidence and get some rhythm and get some flow, but you're constantly looking over your shoulder and waiting for you to get subbed out and get the call to come to the sidelines and, and put Robbie Ashford in the football game. And you're constantly, every time you're on the sidelines, you don't know how long you're going to be there. Is it going to be a drive? Five plays? One play? And heck, we don't even know. Nobody knows what the consistency or what the true rotation is. And so, yeah, I bet it is difficult for Peyton Thorne to figure this thing out. I guarantee it's difficult to get a little confidence and figure out the flow of a game when you're having this sort of, of, of rotation. He also talked about how he feels like the offense is, is balanced and how he thinks that is going in the right way. He's confident that they can both run and throw. I think he, he said you know, that he's able to do what he needs to do and he's just trying to go in and execute. And that's been a really common word for this Auburn offense is Hugh Freeze says, we just got to execute. And yeah, you're right. You do have to execute. But I think certain things have to be called and certain things have to be done to put this team in a situation to be successful. And I don't think that's happening the entire time. I don't think that's happening on every offensive play right now. I really don't. I think there is a, a, a good mixture of, well, a bad mixture, I should say, of sometimes you're having bad play calls, sometimes you're having poor execution, and sometimes, yeah, there is a skill gap between what Auburn's going up against with their offense versus some really good defenses. But the last two defenses you've played have not been all that great, and yet, here we are. You're still in the same situation. And I thought Peyton Thorne and his comments were really, really interesting about just the difficulty of this quarterback rotation. And here's his comments about the relationship with Ashford, too. I think this is interesting. He said, the relationship is fine with Robbie. I don't think we have any problems with each other. When he's out there, I'm not hoping anybody does anything bad. And I assume that he feels the same way. We're trying to win. He said it's unique for both of us. I don't think he's ever done anything, something like this either. Which Robbie kind of goes against in, a, in some comments that I'm going to talk about in just a second. Since the relationship with Robbie is fine. I'm sure it is fine. But there's got to be some competitive juices flowing there, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that two guys who are both seeing legitimate action at the starting quarterback spot for Auburn at a big SEC Power 5 school. You want them to have a good relationship, but don't you think there's a little fire going on there between two guys that cannot get the full nod from their coaching staff, that can't get the full yes from their head coach, can't even get the full yes from the fan base because A... Neither one of them have performed well enough to get those things. But two, because of the things I just talked about with play calling, execution, and skill gap, 
They're not in a situation to perform up to those levels. And both of these guys are trying and trying to be better. And they obviously want to win. But I just think it's interesting when these two guys got to talk with the media. And here's some of the things that Robbie had to say. He was asked a couple of questions. Um, he, He brought up execution as well. This was a good question. I don't know who asked this, but this is a good question. Comparing last year's losing streak to this year's losing streak. Because you remember Auburn went through a time like this last year as well. And he said, quote, I feel like this year, this is from Robbie Ashford. He says, quote, I feel like this year, this locker room is more together. He said, definitely with the streak that we've been on, it's hard. But at the end of the day, we know who's got to come to work. It's really who wants to work when times get hard. Who's going to come every single day, whether we're on a losing streak like we are right now or we're winning every game, who's going to be up for the highs and lows? And I think that's something good that Auburn fans should have some confidence in, hearing that compared to last year, this year the locker room's more together. And based off of what other players have said and how other players are acting, I think I believe that. And what that means is maybe some of these things that Hugh Freeze is doing and preaching and implementing are working. Because he's talked about that. Right? He's talked about how you have to bring this team back together. He talked about that at the very beginning when he took over. How he had to bring the locker room back together, do the little things right. And I asked him this on Monday in his weekly press conference. About at this point in the season, are you, are you seeing your coaching styles and your coaching, uh, I guess your... Your strategies, are you seeing those be implemented? And are you seeing those be practiced? And are you seeing the development and the improvement besides the results? Are you seeing those things in this program right now? And he said yes. And I think Robbie backs it up right here, saying that the locker room is more together this year compared to last year, even in a four-game losing streak. And the guys understand that you got to show up, you got to work, and you got to be ready to try and turn this thing around. And I'll tell you another guy that says these things is Auburn's linebacker Eugene Asante. I talked to him this morning. He says these same things. They understand they're on a four-game losing streak. They know that. You don't have to tell them that. But it does seem like they're a confident bunch. And it does seem like they are more together than Auburn has been in the past. But you still got to get wins, right? You still got to find ways to get that first SEC win. Here's what Robbie Ashford had to say about the quarterback rotation because he got a question about it too. He says, quote, I kind of went through this last season, so it's kind of easy for me just to know what to expect. He says, I've got to just go in every day and prepare myself like I'm the starter, even though I might not be. That's just the biggest thing. Just honing in on my package plays, you've got to know all of that. He said, for me, just knowing my package plays on top of knowing the playbook, those are the big things. I try to learn every single week what we're running, and on top of that, what my package is and what I'm trying to do with those. It's a little bit extra studying, but I can't complain. 
So on that front, Robbie is is preparing to be QB1 because, heck, you never know. And a lot of you have wanted to see him as QB1. Yeah, I know he took the first snap against Ole Miss, but he didn't take the majority of the snaps at QB1 at starting quarterback, right? It sounds like we now know and maybe had a little insight beforehand knowing that Auburn had a play drawn up on the very first play of the game with Robbie Ashford against Ole Miss that they thought was going to go for a big play. Ended up not working. But Robbie is preparing like he's QB1. But I don't know if we're ever going to see him as QB1. And I don't know if I fully agree with that. You've heard me say in the beginning it should have been Peyton Thorne's job. And you've heard me say now it's time to make a change. We're all in the same boat. I don't care who you start. But you got to have some consistency in this quarterback rotation Credit to Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford from what they've said and maybe not all the time in their body language, but for the most part, it seems like they're handling it well. Seems like they're handling a tough situation pretty, pretty well. I mean, it's got to be tough. I want to give you one more quote from Robbie Ashford before we get to break. He was asked, what should your package look like? Okay, what should it look like when you're in the game? And what's the biggest knock on Robbie Ashford over the last couple of years? What do people say all the time, myself included? Can't throw the ball. Well, Robbie brought that up. Robbie Ashford says, quote, I feel like it's a stereotype that I can't throw the football. He said, that's kind of whatever, because I was playing. You see Texas's quarterback, he's sitting out with the same injury that I played nine games through. He said, that should tell you in itself what I was going through. But people don't really want to look at that. He says, I don't really care because they're not doing what I'm doing. They're sitting on the TV, sitting behind a phone screen with all of that. I look at it as, right now, it's me more of a running guy. But I know I can sit back there and throw the ball around the yard. I did it last year before I got hurt. He said, with me, it's more downhill trying to be more physical. With Peyton, it's kind of more of an air attack. I feel like we can both run and both can air it out around the yard. How do you feel about that comment? He's got confidence. There's no doubt about that. And it sounds like he knows his place so far. He knows that Peyton Thorne is in there to throw the ball, and he knows when he comes in, he's in there to run. I'm curious what you think about all these comments from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Would love for you to be a part of the show. Got a couple of minutes before we welcome in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We'll have him at 2.30. Get you caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs. Until then, give me a call here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Got a couple of minutes before we get Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia beat writer for the 247 site. He joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday. We'll have him on at 2.30. But we also, just a little bit of a sneak peek here, I hinted that we may have some basketball news to talk about with Georgia. Well, as of a couple of minutes ago, we do have some big basketball news to talk about with Jordan with the Georgia Bulldogs. So stay tuned for that. They have picked up a massive commitment. Uh, We'll talk about that with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. I was talking a lot of quarterbacks there for Auburn, uh, but we did get an update uh, from Hugh Freeze about a massive, massive addition on the offensive side of the football in the running back room. Hugh Freeze said he expects running back Damari Austin to return against Mississippi State. He's been out since week four, and this is a massive addition. If Auburn can get him back, Freeze said, quote, I think they'll let him go. Like, they'll let him go, let him play, right? Said it's not 100%. But he's trending that way. If Damari Alston can come back and get healthy, that is huge for this team. Because here's what I'll say. Before the season, I was telling you about this running back room and how I think it could be one of the most talented rooms in college football. And I still believe that. I still believe that. It's taken Jarquez Hunter a little bit longer. I know he didn't start the season, and he got off to that slow start, and it it picked up through FCC play, but he had a really good game against Ole Miss, his best one of the season so far. Jarquez Hunter's still a really good back. I think Damari Alston's the best running back on the team. Given what we've seen, given the potential, and he's just a sophomore. Guys, he's just a sophomore. This kid is going to be a superstar. I've told you that. And if Auburn can get him back in the running game, that's just another threat and another rotation piece in the backfield. And I've told you that I think Auburn, while yes, they are running the ball, I think they need to run it more. Run the ball. You've got Jarquez Hunter. Hopefully you get Demari Austin back this weekend. Jeremiah Cobb. Sean Jackson, who doesn't get enough time. You have guys who are good with the football. Jarquez Hunter, who can run between the tackles and get out in space. Damari Alston, whose footwork is unbelievable. Jeremiah Cobb, get him in space and nobody can catch him. And Sean Jackson, give it to him on the two-yard line and I don't see anybody stopping him. If you're, if you're confident enough to put Sean Jackson on kickoff return, you're confident enough to give him the football in the backfield. That's all I'm saying. Damari Austin is a stud and is going to be a superstar wearing the orange and blue and a superstar in this league. He dislocated his shoulder back in week four against Texas A&M and he's been out dealing with that ever since. That includes a bye week. So he even had the extra week to kind of get better with that. And I'm hoping that he can come back this weekend. Because now when you look at the teams that Auburn's about to be facing, you have a chance to really run the ball on these teams. Mississippi State, Vanderbilt for sure, Arkansas for sure, and of course New Mexico State. 
And then when you play Alabama, if you're able to run the football effectively, if they continue to get better, you leave Jalen Milrow and that offense on the sidelines. And I know the offense has not been impressive, but I think they are getting better for Alabama and leave them on the sidelines as long as possible. And that defense for Alabama is really good. And the DBs for Alabama are really good. Well, guess what? Don't challenge them. Run the ball. And Demari Austin is a great way to do that. I hope he gets back. I don't know what capacity we'll see him this weekend. I'm hoping that Auburn doesn't have to need him, right? Use him when you when you want to, but hopefully Auburn can can take care of business and you don't have to rely on a guy like Demari Austin this that much this weekend. And that way he can kind of get better in the next couple of weeks. Another big injury to watch before we get to break is the center Avery Jones. I'm not confident he plays, and Hugh Free said that on Monday. I believe the word he used was doubtful. That brings in Connor Liu, who's going to be really good down the stretch and really good in his Auburn career, but he's young, and Auburn has to deal with that. couple of injuries on that offensive side. Hopefully they get those figured out before Mississippi State this weekend don't go anywhere jordan hill of dogs 247 the georgia beat writer joins us for breaking basketball news and of course we'll talk georgia football as well Jacob Goertz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on a Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. And this guy joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday. It's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia site, the 247 site for the Georgia Bulldogs. Jordan, great to have you on the show. And uh, sounds like we've got some breaking news on the basketball side of things to get us started. Yeah, definitely, Jacob. Uh, it's been kind of wild uh, getting ready for basketball season, and on Wednesday, Georgia picks up a huge commitment of five-star power forward Asa Newell, uh, who actually grew up in Athens. His brother Jaden is a walk-on with the Bulldogs, uh, committed to Georgia over Alabama, Gonzaga, and Texas. Uh, only commit in this 2024 class. Uh, it seems like there's some momentum going in the right direction for some pretty big names to join him. Uh, we should know a little bit more about that at the end of the week, uh, in about a week's time at least. Uh, so, yeah, usually we're talking about five stars committing to Georgia. We're, we're talking about the football uh, team. But uh, Mike White seems to have a little bit of momentum uh, when it comes to getting guys to come to Athens. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a massive, I mean, huge commitment uh, for Georgia. Asa Newell, you mentioned the five-star in the 2024 class. Definitely helps that he is uh, an Athens native uh, playing down in uh, at in Florida at Montverde Academy. Some big names, a couple of five-stars playing down there right now. Uh, Six-foot-nine, 205-pound prospect. Uh, and as you mentioned, he picked Georgia over Alabama, Gonzaga, Texas. Uh, Auburn was even in there as well, and he had a bunch of big-time offers. Jordan, what do you... Besides being an Athens native, uh, what do you think really led him to pick Mike White in the in the Bulldogs? I think a big piece of the puzzle <laughs> is the the uh, job that Mike White has done and his staff as well 
uh, have done selling the vision for the program. And I do think it takes a certain type of uh, prospect basketball player to see the potential because it's no secret that Georgia has not had a whole lot of success in men's basketball. Um, but they've done a pretty good job in the last couple cycles of adding some pretty interesting players, uh, four-star point guard Silas Demery Jr., who was at one point committed to USC. Uh, they picked up him in March, along with four-star shooting guard Blue Kane, who have been committed to Georgia Tech before Josh Pastner got fired. Uh, I think that it really helps. Uh, one, you know, his brother is on the team, too, that he grew up in Athens. But three, I think Mike White is showing these guys what he wants this program to become. And you think about with a basketball program compared to, say, a football team, uh, you know, it doesn't take that many guys to get things trending in the right direction. Right. So this is definitely a huge pickup. And uh, it sounds like there's some really uh, intriguing prospects who might follow Asa. We don't know that for sure yet. Uh, but a couple other power forwards, Darian Reed, uh, Kanai Roots, uh, are both connected to Asa. Uh, so I don't think Georgia's done picking up four-star, five-star guys. Um, so that could really get Georgia some real momentum when you look to the 2024 cycle. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was going to say and comment on is in college basketball, it takes one guy like an Asa Newell to really jumpstart a program or even revive a program, which I think is a really uh, is the right word to use for Georgia basketball. You bring in a five star like Asa Newell, who's a top 15 player in the country that is a huge momentum builder and sounds like it may lead to some other recruits coming in over the next couple of weeks. Definitely, and it's really interesting, especially over on the junkyard over at Dog Swing 47. You know, there, there are some fans that follow the basketball team that, you know, I, they're a little bit hesitant to get too excited because of how things played out with Anthony Edwards. You know, that was a huge addition during the Tom Crean era. And it just didn't seem like they could put the pieces around him to make it where they were truly contenders and definitely lacked the stability that uh, everyone wanted to see when Tom Crean was hired. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's on Mike White and company to continue building around Asa. Again, I really like the two guards that they added in the 2023 cycle. So you can see the pieces coming together. Um, it's just a matter of finishing strong in this class and, again, understanding you know that nothing is guaranteed. I, I think that um, Georgia was picked to finish maybe 12th in the SEC this year. Um, even if they get these guys, we know how tough life in the SEC is. Uh, so definitely uh, some momentum for Mike White. Um, but these guys will definitely, once they do get to Athens, put in a whole lot of work uh, if Georgia's going to separate itself and become a true contender in the conference. Did I read that Asa Newell is the third highest-ranked recruit ever in Georgia basketball history? That is correct. Uh, it is some guy named Anthony Edwards. I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Yeah. And uh, Gentavious Caldwell-Pope is the other one. So Asa is right behind those guys. And I think Georgia would be very, very excited if he played just somewhere in the caliber that those two guys showed while they were at Georgia. And obviously they've had quite a bit of success since they left Athens. 
Yeah, yeah, both of those guys have have had, you know, one had a a good NBA career and the other one is just getting started uh, with Anthony Edwards in professional basketball. Well, it's it's really impressive to see that Georgia basketball picked up Asa Newell, the five-star, in 2024. Um, He is ranked number 13 overall, number two in his position at power forward, and the number three overall player out of the state of Florida. And Mike White is, is really trying to turn it around there in Athens and it would be really impressive to see that Georgia basketball team start competing again in this conference and if they continue this momentum Jordan I don't see why they can't definitely I think that there is opportunity and uh, I think it's going to be something to watch and and even this year you know I don't expect them to be an NCAA tournament team but I do think that they can take strides off of last year's 16 and 16 year Uh, I think they're a team that could surprise some folks and again, kind of keeping the future in mind, seeing how Silas Dimery, uh, seeing how Blue Kane play, because uh, they've got some experienced guys that would be back again next year, or at least could be back next year. But those two guys on this year's team are kind of the, the foundational pieces that when you consider bringing in an ASA next year and, and anyone else they add in the 2024 class, uh, you really want to see those young guys play well this year, getting ready for a uh, really exciting, really promising 20. 20- well here in 2023 while we're on the subject uh, Georgia basketball does have an exhibition coming up uh, next Monday so before we talk to you they will have an exhibition Uh, a is that an open exhibition for the media and everybody to see and then if it is um, anything in particular you're looking for before the season opener against Oregon on November 6th yeah you know it's a pretty interesting setup in that scrimmage and yes media will be able to attend so I'll definitely be there but you know, typically when you see an exhibition, sometimes it's going to be lesser opponents. Eastern Kentucky could be a team we're talking about making the tournament by yeah. the time we get to this March. A very strong team. I believe they finished runner-up in the CBI last year. So I think it's just kind of general for me is just how this Georgia team competes because it's a lot of new pieces. I believe there's nine new players from last year compared uh, to this year. Just want to see how they kind of come together and, and if they look like they're on the same page. Now, they had a huge advantage in the fact that they were able to go to Italy for uh, several weeks back in the summer. So they kind of got a head start on getting to play together, getting to spend a lot of time together. Um, But, yeah, you know, you obviously want to see Georgia find success in this scrimmage um, and kind of set the tone going into the year. But more than anything, I just want to see how much they mesh, how how much they play well together, and, again, kind of get an idea of maybe some of the rotations we're going to see once we get into the season. Look at us talking basketball, Georgia basketball in, in October. Isn't that crazy? Look at us talking a little basketball, huh? They, they, they said it couldn't be done, Jacob, but you know what? We, we can make anything happen. That's right. Well, hey, if they keep pulling five stars, man, we're going to have you on the show a couple times a week if they keep doing what they're doing in the recruiting ranks. And Mike White doing a fantastic job with Georgia getting underway in 2023 in, in, in a week and a half or so like everybody else and pulling a massive five-star recruit in the 2024 class. We're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer who joins us every week for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. Do want to flip gears back to football, though. And the last time we talked to you, we didn't expect there to be a whole lot of drama and competitiveness in the Georgia-Vanderbilt football game, but credit to Vanderbilt, they made it a little bit closer than people thought they would. Definitely. You know, it's one of those things, even being there, you kind of had your mind made up how it was going to go by halftime, and Vanderbilt didn't go away. You know, uh, near 
near pick six in the fourth quarter and made it, I think, about a 10-point contest at the time. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you have to give Vanderbilt credit because we were all kind of thinking that you would be able to, to name the score there, but they did a very good job of fighting through. And, you know, now the biggest thing with that Vanderbilt game, obviously Georgia wins, but just a, a, several injury questions for this team. Obviously, Brock Bowers is going to be out for a bit. After having that tightrope ankle surgery, um, Xavier Trust, the starting right tackle, who was replacing Amarius Mims, who hurt his ankle. Well, Trust hurts his ankle against Vanderbilt, so you have a big question there who's going to play against Florida. And then Kendall Milton, who very talented running back but just can't seem to stay healthy. He got hurt against Vanderbilt. Uh, sounds like he will be able to play. Um, but, yeah, a lot of questions uh, coming out of that Vanderbilt game, more than we anticipated. And I'll tell you this, Jacob, more than I expected to be answering during the bye week. You know, I thought maybe maybe we could get through there and not have a whole lot going on. Um, but there's always something going on when it comes to a football program like Georgia. How how impactful is it that the fact that Brock Bowers is not on this offense right now when he's not on the field? Uh, we know he's got the experience. We know he has the leadership. And, of course, uh, we know he's got the skill uh, to be a difference maker in football games. How much, if you could put – I don't know if you could put a, a number aspect on it or just a, a motivation or – I don't know how you want to word this, Jordan, but just how impactful is it that Brock Bowers is not playing for this Georgia offense? Well, I think it would be silly to downplay it because he's got an argument to be the best player in college football. And I think it would be silly if I was on here and said, oh, it's not a big deal. You just lost maybe the greatest tight end in the 21st century. You know, it it is a big deal. Now, having said that, I do think that Georgia can weather the storm without him because they do have a lot of different talented pieces that I think they can rely on. The big guy for me is Ladd McConkey, And, you know, as much as you don't want a guy like Brock Bowers getting hurt at any time, I think him getting hurt right before the bye week, one, kind of gave Georgia an opportunity to sort of reflect and decide how they want to attack going forward. But two, gave Ladd McConkey a big week to try to heal up. He's been dealing with a back injury and has continued to be limited. Doesn't practice 100% of the time during the week. They're trying to be very smart about not re-aggravating his back injury. Um, but then in the games, you know, he, he hasn't played a ton of snaps, especially what you would expect for a guy of his caliber. I think in my mind's eye, you know, if he is healthy, he's the guy that really steps up, gets a whole lot more targets. But they have guys even beyond Ladd McConkey, Dominic Lovett, uh, Missouri transfer has gotten the ball a ton. He's coming off a nine reception, 72 yard game against Vanderbilt. He gets the ball quite a bit. Rara Thomas is their biggest deep threat. He's made some big plays, was huge in that comeback against South Carolina and probably had one of the biggest plays for Georgia of the year, a a little one-foot toe-tap touchdown catch where he mossed the guy against Kentucky. So I I do think they'll be okay, um, but I think you'd be silly to say that it's going to be just seamless because Brock Bowers is such an incredible playmaker, and uh, they are going to hate uh, to have to play without him. And, and it is going to hurt a little bit to not have 19 on the field for a bit. Do we have an updated timeline on him before we talk about Georgia-Florida? Do we have an updated, like, expected return for Brock Bowers? I know they don't want to rush it by any means, but they also want to get this guy on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, they haven't really given a timeline. Just based on what I've heard, I think the first week that seems realistic is November 11th against Ole Miss. And I think they will probably play it close to the vest. But based on what I've heard around the program, I mean, Brock 
is attending practice, you know, watching his teammates practice and is like, you know, chomping at the bit to be back out there. And they got to be like, Hey, you know, we got to be smart about this and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, he's not going to play this week. Obviously we still don't know if he's going to travel. I asked Kirby today on the coaching teleconference and he said they haven't really made up their mind. It basically comes down to numbers. And uh, if they think that they can afford to, to take him, you know, with, the travel roster limit, uh, they will, but they haven't decided yet. So my expectation is to watch around that Ole Miss game on November 11th, um, but they're not going to rush him back. They understand not only that getting him back when he's not ready is not going to help out, but they are going to consider his future. They don't want to brush him back and, and uh, really hamper him because we know there's a, a legitimate chance he's not only going to be a first-round pick, but maybe a high first-round pick by the time we get to April. Yeah, no doubt, and, and and that's something that he has to take into consideration as well. We know he's a competitive guy, but with a, a bright future that Brock Bowers has, you have to take all of that into consideration. Georgia and Florida this weekend, 2.30 CBS on Saturday. Uh, we know it is a neutral site game there. It's always a great atmosphere between the Dogs and the Gators. Your expectations for this game and what Georgia has to do uh, to maybe look a little impressive in this game and try to get another win on the season. I think the big thing is pretty simple is just establishing the run early in this game. It's no secret that Florida's run defense is pretty questionable. Gave up 329 rushing yards to Kentucky in that loss earlier this season. I think that's going to be big. You know, Dejan Edwards has been an outstanding running back one for Georgia this year. Sort of seems like at times he doesn't have help behind him just because guys like Kendall Milton have been banged up. Roderick Robinson's been banged up. They don't have Branson Robinson who's out for the year. So I think establishing the run early is huge, not only uh, because of Florida's weakness there, but it kind of will open things up for Carson back. I think Carson is set to have a really good day through the air. Uh, This is going to be a very special game for him. He's from Jacksonville, went to Mandarin High School. Uh, I think that this game is going to mean a lot to be back in his hometown. and Playing a team that is kind of funny, once upon a time, he was a Florida baseball commit, a very good baseball player. Uh, decided that football was going to be the path for him, was initially committed to Alabama, decommitted, and winds up going to Georgia. So, uh, again, I I think it really starts with the run game. If they can get Dejon Edwards going, kind of keep that Florida defense on its heels, it's going to open up some uh, big play opportunities through the year. And one more thing before I let you get out of here, Jordan. People talk all the time about Georgia football, and the biggest harp on them is the schedule that they play and that it's not always the most difficult schedule. But after this Florida game, a team that I think is more impressive than people gave them credit for, myself included, before the season, according to the schedule right now, number 16 Missouri, number 12 Ole Miss, and number 21 Tennessee on the road are the next three games after Florida. What else could Georgia ask for? What else could other fans ask for for Georgia to try to play with three top 25 matchups in a row down the stretch? Definitely, and and you know, it, it is funny when we go into a season and, and sort of have preconceived notions about how good teams would be. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't think Florida would be quite up to this caliber, and I really didn't see Missouri coming. I, I've been very, very impressed with Eli Drinkwitz, Brady Cook, Luther Burden. I think they've all been outstanding this year. Uh, the one thing I will say that helps Georgia when you look at this streak, uh, the stretch of games, um, obviously Florida is a neutral site, but you do get Missouri and you do get uh, Ole Miss at home, which is huge. I mean, for either one of those to be a road environment, especially when we're talking about, you know, we don't know if Rob Bowers would be able to play 
definitely huge. But it's going to be a tall task. These are some really good teams. I am really circling that Missouri game. It could wind up being a shootout with just how Missouri has played. Um, Georgia is going to be tested. And, you know, I'm I'm wondering in one of these first college football playoff uh, rankings, I think the first one comes out on Halloween, we may not see Georgia number one just because of the schedule they've played so far. But if they keep winning, I think by the time you've beaten a Missouri or an Ole Miss, that could very well change. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He covers Georgia better than anybody, and he joins us here on Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7 each and every Wednesday at 2.30. Jordan, as always, man, I'm so appreciative of you and your time and your wonderful coverage of the Georgia Bulldogs. Let everybody know where they can find you and your coverage for Georgia. Appreciate that, Jacob. Uh, Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So, yeah, as we sort of open the conversation we got a lot of content right now on ace and newell a lot of men's basketball stuff but uh, we understand too big game coming for the football team on saturday uh, we got you covered there with a whole lot of stuff and uh, actually getting ready in about an hour to go do a podcast with swamp 24 7's graham hall we'll have a chance to really preview this game go in depth so looking forward to that awesome man again you do a great job we appreciate you and we'll talk to you next week uh, we'll get to talk football exhibition for basketball as that season's right around the corner Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Go check him out. If you are subscribed to the Auburn 247 site, you get access to Dogs 247 as well. So go check it out. We got to get to our final break really quickly here. We'll come back, have a really quick segment, and then get into hour number two. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one. It's going to be quick. We don't have very much time. I went long with Jordan Hill, but always enjoy talking to him and just had a ton of information today with the breaking news, uh, Georgia basketball signing or I guess getting the commitment from Asa Newell, the five-star power forward in the class of 2024, the third highest recruit ever in Georgia basketball history. He's playing down in Florida, but he's an Athens native, and that definitely helps his brothers on the team. Uh, but Mike White's doing some things over at Georgia, so don't you count out the Georgia Bulldogs in the basketball world. I think they have a chance to really revive that program. Also talking Georgia and Florida, here's a stat about that game really quickly. That game is played in Jacksonville, Florida. We know that. It started back in 1933. And they've only played on campus seven times since then. Over 100 meetings have been neutral site between Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville. We'll see if it's a good game this weekend, if Florida can hang around, or if Georgia flexes their muscles before three straight top 25 matchups. Should be a lot of fun. Hour number one in the books. Stay tuned. We'll talk Auburn-Mississippi State coming up in hour number two, plus the interview from the drive yesterday with Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. All that coming up in hour number two.
live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of hour number one, you know how to find the podcast at this point, don't you? You can go to ESPNAU.com. It's our station website, and you can find it there commercial-free under the podcast tab, or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts. We talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer, back in hour number one. Had some uh, breaking basketball news for Georgia as they committed or got a commitment from a five-star power forward in the 2024 class. Also talked a lot about Auburn and Mississippi State as well. Some of the comments from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. Also an update on running back to Mari Alston. So lots of great content in hour number one. If you missed it, you can find the podcast after the show today commercial free coming up here in hour number two no austin hannon of bama central our alabama rider today uh with alabama being on the bye week we will pick back up with him next week and talk about alabama up to this point and talk about their upcoming games as well but we're about to get to the phone lines we also have uh the interview from the drive yesterday with auburn basketball head coach bruce pearl so that's what's coming up here on the show today but until then give us a call what's on your mind how are you feeling on a Wednesday afternoon 334-321-1390 and we start hour number two by getting to the phone lines with Spectre you're on the line hey Jacob um I got a couple of things I want to talk about okay uh first of all first of all let me get the Thorn and Ashford thing out of the way mm-hmm. I, I heard what you said earlier and you know I don't expect these two to come on and say anything publicly you know favor one or the other the you know they're going to say what they have to say, but you know there's some there's, you can tell there's some underlying issues there. Yeah. Uh, you know Peyton Thorne has been you know it's, it's been brought up before about Peyton Thorne was every time he got caught off the field he'd just go straight to the bench and uh, things like that and not mm-hmm. not supporting the team on good plays or whatever. But uh, you know with that being said, they're not going to say anything that's going to disrupt what what's going to happen in the next game. Right. You would hope not anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let me go move on. You know, as the season has progressed here, the fog is starting to clear up and you're starting to see maybe what's, what's happening with this team. Uh, I'm bringing this up out of context, of course, but I heard something to the effect of that, how disgusted McGriff is with the defensive coordinator Roberts Mm -hmm. and was on his way out the door, but Hughes freeze stopped him and, and uh, I guess talked him back, but uh, you know that's part of that's part of the reason why I think our our play on the field has been so sporadic is because of the the friction between certain coaches. It's, you know Montgomery, he's got a good resume, but I'm, I'm under the impression that he is the one that went after Thorn in the portal, mm-hmm. and that kind of rub 
especially the seniors on this team. You know, they're the ones that are they're, that are getting harmed here. And um, I think that they show displeasure in that. You know, I might be wrong. You know, but it's happened before in football games that that receivers would drop the ball purposely just to try to get their court, favorite quarterback in there. I'm not saying that at all. That's what's happening with Auburn. Right. No, and I don't. And I don't think it is. And and you no, know, I, I think. You know, on a couple of things there, um, to, to go back to your first comment about Thorne and Robbie really quickly, I can't say much about Thorne from what I've seen because uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of him on the sidelines. But one thing I will say is I feel like Robbie is very supportive on the sidelines. Um, I, it seems like he's that way. Um, it, it seems like he's supportive on the sideline or even when he's in the game. And in, in his comments, you know, neither one of these guys I don't think are cheering for the other one to do bad. Um, but then, you know, you bring up the uh, Wesson McGriff and Ron Roberts stuff. Uh, yes, I you know I've I've heard a lot of the things about it and talked to people um, who are are tapped in with that more than I am. And whether there is a ton of of problems there, I, I don't know. But I definitely think there's something since we know the movement of McGriff and and he he seems to be a really important factor on that staff because Hugh Freeze talked about it on Monday um, and just how important he is. And a lot of that was based off of the relationships that he has with these players and kind of helping them in off the field roles. And so uh, they've, if there are problems, Spectre, they've got to get those figured out and maybe you can chalk it up to year one things. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. As, as far as Montgomery, you know, Hugh has, 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 said something to this effect about him doing a lot of recruiting while not prep, actually prepping for the game as much as he should be. Mm-hmm. And he's probably turned that over to Montgomery, which has caused a lot of problems. Yeah, and, and he when, and he's talked about you know how Montgomery makes the game plan, and then Hugh Freeze sort of sits down and has him run through it, and he yeah. approves it and then makes some changes you know, later on in the week. It's what Hugh Freeze has said so far. Yeah, you know, after this year, I, I think uh, I think we're going to get two di- two new coordinators. Myself. Yeah, and, we'll see. Uh, it, it, I mean, very yeah. possible. Well, anyway, I just want to bring that to light. Yeah, no, I'll I think those are great later. points, Spectre. Appreciate the call. Great to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Appreciate Spectre calling in. Always has interesting points. Let's get to the phone lines once again. And Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, man. Um, I am not going to completely disagree with her. I, okay. We were kind of worried. We were kind of wondering, like, you know, what's what's really going on? And number one, nothing, nothing's really going on. If you, we lost four games to really good teams year one with with a limited staff, limited uh, you know recruits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's everybody just needs to calm down. You know. It, if this if this was if they had mixed those games up, then it would be like, oh, we won two, we lost one, we lost one, we won two. You know, it wouldn't have been that big a deal. But they were the, the four, probably the four best on our on our schedule, and they just happened to be four in a row. Right. Yeah. Right. Being but, four in a row definitely definitely doesn't help. And that's something I, I didn't get to say to Specter, and I wanted to, and it slipped my mind. But if there are problems on the defensive staff, or whatever the case may be, the defense, and I've said this multiple times they are still doing their job and they have kept Auburn in every game outside of LSU when it just kind of which we figured that was going to happen but other than that the defense has done yeah. their job and you can't put any of this on them no i don't i don't no we we can't the defense you can clearly see you can see them they're up they're they are playing their hearts out for mm-hmm. for 
three and a third, you know, quarters, and then they're just worn out because of thin. So, so the the last, you know, the last half of the, the fourth quarter is when we're losing. You know, we lost the the the, uh, the Georgia game that way. We lost the the Ole Miss game that way. Right, the, and, and the that's a depth game, issue too, like Shane. Ten minutes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We just don't. We have some good players. We just don't have as many as the other ones in, in these positions yet. Yep. And that did. I mean, that takes that takes a couple of years. So I just wish people could be real, realistic. And this is not, you know, McDonald. We're not getting it right now. Just be, just be patient. And uh, these next four games are going to be way different. And you know, it's like the, it's like the whole Colorado thing in the beginning of the year. Everybody was all over Colorado, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard nothing about them since then because <laughs> now it's more realistic, right? right. It, it, they play, they they beat some teams. They're they're you know, now that they have good players, they were supposed to be or competitive, you know. And then now they've lost some games that they're probably supposed to lose right now. Give, I mean, I'm not saying that they won't be. They need some time as well, you know. They need a couple of years. Maybe they'll be different. Mm-hmm. But just a little bit of time, people. And, yeah. and um, stop panicking. Um, the quarterback position will be better. We'll get better players. And um, – I don't think that either coordinator is going to be there at the end of the year. Anyway, I think I think maybe Gus is like, well, I can see where this is going, and I know I'm going to be busting my butt next year because I'm going to probably be playing the doing the play calling. So, and I need to. I don't know. They need they need to keep McGriff. So I agree with that. I, think that guy, I agree. Guy yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, man, that's all I got. Yeah, Where appreciate you? appreciate the call, Shane. Three three four. Three two one thirteen ninety. It's funny that over the last couple of days, that trend and that topic has started to pick up just a little bit. The coordinators for Auburn possibly not being here at the end of the year. And there's still time in this season, and I think that is important, and that's obviously what Shane was just preaching right there, was time and patience, and that's something we've talked about all season long. But that trend has started to pick up a little bit, and I'm curious if there's others out there that think that same thing. Do you think that Ron Roberts and Philip Montgomery, the two coordinators on this team, do you think they have a job here at Auburn after this season, given what we've seen to this point? I'm curious on what you have to say. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Here's my thing that I say to Shane and that I say to everybody that has that same argument of patience and let's wait until better players get here because better players are coming. They are. We, we've seen it already, and it's going to continue to happen. Better players are going to get here. And with better players, you have the ability to call better plays, and you have the ability to call different plays, and you have the ability to call maybe more effective plays if you have more talented players, and you have more depth. All of those things are true. But Auburn has enough talent right now to call effective plays, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to move the ball, pick up first downs, and put more than 20 points on the board in a Power 5 game. You cannot convince me that Auburn is so depleted of talent that basic scheme and basic play calling and basic game planning on offense that it's just thrown out the window because there's such a big talent gap that we just can't call the right plays to move the ball you can't convince me of that and while 
we do need to have patience if you're an Auburn fan. And while you do need to wait for better players to get here, what people want to see is a little bit of progress. People want to see competitiveness, and I think you have seen that, thankfully. And thankfully, the schedule does get easier. And you have a chance to get better. And you have a chance to improve offensively. And there are still ways to improve defensively as well. We talked about that on Monday. The defense isn't perfect by any means. But heck, how can you blame them to this point in the season? They've played as good as they can given the limitations and the offenses they've gone up against. I don't know. I just That's sort of where I sit on that. And it's okay to have patience, but it's also okay to say, all right, we know there's a talent differential, and maybe we get to see that opened up this weekend against Mississippi State, where Auburn is more talented, and you get to see that against Vanderbilt, where Auburn is definitely more talented. And you can start calling some of these plays to get guys open, fix the timing with the receivers, allow them to actually, A, get the football thrown to them, and B, catch the football and then run the ball, get your athletes out in space like Jeremiah Cobb and Brian Batie. I forgot to mention him earlier when talking about the running backs. There's talent on that side. And down the stretch, until you play Alabama, you will be the more talented team. you just got to call plays and have a game plan and execute to give yourself a chance to score enough points to win the football game. 334-321-1390. Let's go ahead and get to a break. We've got Andy who's waiting on the phone lines. Want him to have plenty of time to talk when we come back. Give me a call. I'm curious on where you stand on these conversations as well. 334-321-1390. The Wednesday edition of On the Line continues after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And Andy, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on through the break, man. Hey, Warrigal, how are you? Good, man, good. What's on your mind? You know, Ben, just for a second, so don't hang up on me. Okay. Um, about four years ago, I probably my family probably had more money than I've ever had in my life, and things were things were getting so good. We we're looking at Lakeland, and you know what? People were complaining. People were just not happy, and they changed presidents. And I cannot tell you how much money we do not have now, where we now get brown paper towels instead of the nice white ones. So these little complainers did that to my country that I fought for. Not happy about that, but who am I? And now. Auburn was winning games, we were beating Alabama, and complainers called in, and they were not happy, and look what they got me now. So I think we're on the up and up, and I, I don't mean to do this woulda, shoulda, coulda stuff, but I do want these people out here calling and complaining about what's going on now. You better not have been complaining three years ago. Imagine where we'd be with a guy named after two awesome Auburn players, Bo and Nicks, being a quarterback, and the talent we'd have. I can't even imagine it. So I know we can't fix it, but next time you're not happy, keep your mouth shut, be patient, let things try to get better, at least be smart enough not to pay someone $20 million, wait a couple of years for his team that he brought in to leave, because things can get a lot worse than they can better. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a smart guy, and I'm sick of being one of the smartest people in this country, and it's making me sick. On the other hand, I'm not in panic mode, but I'm not happy. We look embarrassing. 
at the end of these games, and we better beat Mississippi State. I was a big fan of – I saw it with my eyes what, Cal, what um, Cadillac did last year. I saw it with my eyes. I was on the field. The guy had fired. The players were listening to him. We beat a team we weren't supposed to beat. That's what a good coach does. And we haven't done that this year. I like Freeze. I, I like them a lot better than some of the other people. But I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm not seeing with my eyes what I wanted to see. Again, not in panic mode. I'm not saying fire him by any means. I'm not even saying fire the defensive coordinator. Right. Everyone just needs to calm down, like the last caller said. But, you know, we do need to beat Mississippi State. We do need to beat some games. We do need these coaches to stay up a little later and earn that money. Um, heck, these players are making more money than me now. You know? <laughs> and, and I think I'm getting more emotional than they are. Um, so I know times will change, but, uh, again, this call is – Next time, don't try to change things because they can get a lot worse than than uh, get better. You know, so yeah, no. we're going. Let's have a good Mississippi State game, and um, I mean, we should win by you know four or five points. So should uh, we'll talk we'll talk next week and see if that's true. But uh, appreciate you. Yep, appreciate your time and appreciate the call, Andy. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety to comment on that just a little bit. The fact that he um, talking about getting worse before it can get better, um, I think there is a statement, and, and the way I would put it is, I think it can get worse a lot faster than it can get better. And what I mean by that is, you can see a program regress a heck of a lot faster than you can see a program progress. And you are seeing that with Auburn firsthand. You've been watching it firsthand since the end of the Gus Malzahn era where this team was in Atlanta back in 2017 beating number one teams in the country. If the ball bounces your way a couple of times and you avoid a couple injuries, you're on the outside looking in at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, the program took massive steps back at the end of his tenure and during the Brian Harson era, and Auburn's still trying to make up for that. And it's going to take some time to do that. And guess what? It's probably going to take longer to get and make up that ground than it did to lose that ground. And that's just the, the fact of the matter. That's just the nature of college football. But I also think with what Andy was saying... The thing that Auburn is missing so far this year that I was hoping they were going to get in one of those last four games was beating somebody they were not supposed to. And it's something we talked about at the beginning of the year was for this to be a successful year, we want Auburn to win the games you're supposed to, but also try to beat somebody that you're not. That's what Auburn needed to do. And guess what? There's only one other opportunity to do that if you're Auburn in 2023. And that's Alabama in the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. Because you're supposed to beat Mississippi State this weekend. You're supposed to beat Vanderbilt. You're supposed to beat Arkansas. And obviously, you're supposed to beat New Mexico State. You're not supposed to beat Alabama. Even with as bad as they've been at times, you're not supposed to beat them. And I said for year one to be a success under Hugh Freeze, beat the teams you're supposed to, which I think Auburn has done that to this point. 
and then you had to beat somebody that you were not supposed to get that upset win, a momentum-building win. And that's what Auburn missed out on these last four games. 334-321-1390. Let's get to another call as we have a couple of more minutes. Mark, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, guy. I've got to uh, disagree with you on what you just said. Okay. You said that you can uh, uh, get worse a lot quicker than you can get better a lot. I mean, you know what, what you were talking about. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. Well, I'm going to give you two examples where I disagree with that. Okay. Uh, number one, 2012 Auburn versus 2013 Auburn. All right. The second uh, example I want to give you is 2022 Colorado and 2023 Colorado. Now, yes, you expect to see some improvement. And, yes, you would have liked to have won one of the last four games. But all I'm hearing is people, you know, on this show talking a lot about, I mean, almost like it's a failure that they didn't win one of those uh three games where they were double-digit underdogs in three of them, I believe. And, uh, you know, and then a touchdown underdog in the other. Mm-hmm. So it's not like – and all of those teams are or have been ranked at one point this year. Now, yes, you would like to see the offense come on a little bit better, and I think the defense is probably, considering what we had on the line and linebacker, a little bit better than what we thought it would be. That's fair. Except for the LSU game. Correct. Uh, you know, and I don't think – how many defenses do you think would go through that four-game gauntlet and hold Georgia, Texas A&M, and LSU to less than 30 points? Yeah. There's no. not many that's held them less than that anyway. Yeah, you're exactly so, right. And, you know, the defense has performed at least as good as expectations and probably better. Special teams is better. Coaching, you know, I'm going to give a little bit below because I think we've got to – you had a caller yesterday. we got to stick with uh, – we got to find a quarterback. I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. And stick with him and just ride that horse. But I just wanted to let you know, I disagreed with you about the timeliness yeah. of getting good versus getting bad. It, it, it can happen both ways. It can. You can catch lightning in a bottle and you can get struck by lightning. It goes both ways. Yeah. No, you're right about that, Mark. And hey, we're up against the break in about a minute, so I got to right. let you go, but I'm going to comment That's on good. that. Appreciate the call, Mark. You're absolutely right. With Auburn in 2012 to 2013, that was catching lightning in a bottle. You're absolutely right. And then with Colorado from the last 10 years, <laughs> right, to this year, they've obviously gotten better. And I think what I meant by that was maybe in a program sense rather than a year-to-year. And especially in this age of college football with the transfer portal where you can get a lot better quicker than you used to. And I think that's a good devil's advocate to my statement. But I think in a building a program aspect of things, it still takes time. Even with the transfer portal, it still takes time. And it doesn't happen overnight. You can make your team better overnight, but making your program better overnight still takes a long time. And just as Mark said, you can catch lightning in a bottle, good or bad, or you can get struck by lightning. The transfer portal giveth, and the transfer portal taketh. And you, if you don't handle it right, your program can change overnight in a good or bad way. And that is 
whether you think it's a good thing or not in college football, that's where we stand. And to the to the point of the last four games, while it may not necessarily be a failure that Auburn didn't win one of those games where you were big underdogs and you were not supposed to win those games. Here's my problem with that. In three of those games, you had chances to win. And if you do a couple of things better, you could have won one of those games. Maybe even two of those games, which includes the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. But it is year one. And there are some growing pains with talent and with coaching. It's not a failure that Auburn didn't win one of the last four. But it does upset me that they couldn't pull it off when they had chances to do so. And that's how you get better as a program in the years to come. When we come back, we'll have the interview with head coach Bruce Pearl that aired on the drive yesterday. Stick around. You don't want to miss it. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We normally talk with Austin Hannon of Bama Central here on Rivalry Wednesday, but with Alabama being off this week, he is off as well, and so we will pick back up with him next week. But it gives us a perfect opportunity uh, to play uh, the interview that Bill and Dan from The Drive got to do yesterday with Auburn men's head basketball coach Bruce Pearl previewing the season, a couple of exhibition games coming up, and then, of course, the start of the season on November 7th. Uh, so uh, the interview was fantastic, previewing the Auburn basketball season. This is head coach Bruce Pearl from The Drive yesterday. We are very pleased to be joined by Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. Coach, how are you doing today? Phil, Dan, I'm doing great, and it's great to be with you talking some Auburn basketball. Oh, absolutely. We're about to get down to it. You've got a couple of opportunities now to see your guys against someone other than yourselves with the, uh, with the AUM exhibition next Wednesday and the secret scrimmage against Furman coming up before you head to the Black Hills. <laughs> the secret scrimmage against who you said it was against. Well, I don't know. It's a secret, it's not, isn't it? Not such a, it's not such a secret, I guess. But, uh, no, you're right. We, we need to play against somebody else. Uh, it's time to play against somebody else. And part of the reason is we're tired of beating on each other. Uh, we know each other's tendencies so well it's hard to run our stuff. Um, and we need to go up against some other people that do things differently just to really get exposed and to see where we're at, uh, to see what's good, to see what's bad, see what's ugly. And then, like you said, can we in the next week to 10 days prior to opening up with Baylor, make the adjustments that we need to make? Uh, to be able to start winning basketball games right away. Coach, I imagine it's been a, a different offseason uh, because last year you had a lot of returning players at guard. This year you've been working in some new faces. Fans want to know, how's the point guard battle? If you feel comfortable describing it as a battle, I know you, you stress competition, yeah. but I think folks want to know, you know, how, how, are, how are things shaping up at point guard this year? No, I think it's a great question, and I also think that, by even using that frame, it gives me a chance to talk about something that I absolutely haven't talked about. And that is this, there is great competition, every position. And I'll even take point guard specifically. Um, You know, 
Trey Donaldson uh, returned to try to be our starting point guard. He is a tremendous multi-sport athlete. I mean, Trey Donaldson's a great baseball player. He's a great football player. He's a great basketball player. He's a great kid. And he wants to start really bad. He wants to be the leader on his team. And he certainly is going to be one of our leaders. Um, and yet, he has gone out of his way teaching, educating, molding, talking, encouraging, supporting Aiden Holloway every single day so that Aiden can learn the system and understand the system while he's trying to beat him out to be the starter. And it's just an incredible thing that you don't see many different places in life that you see sometimes on a sports team. And that's really been the case at a number of different positions on our team. Now, I hope that helps us be a great team. I hope it's something that God's going to bless and, 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 and can help lead us to victory. But I am so proud. And Aiden coming in wasn't even was, – was not expecting it but saw it and was blown away by it. And you know what? Now Aiden, when he is in that situation as a returning point guard – he has an opportunity to have learned so much from what Trey ha has done, and that's taking place at almost every position. Coach, uh, speaking of competition, Chaney, has, uh, Chaney Johnson has talked about Jalen sort of doing the same thing, and, and you have such, uh, such depth now at multiple positions. I know you've talked about and been asked time and time again, well, are you ready to announce your starters? You have so many different opportunities to see different lineups, and that's what the next couple of couple of ball games before you open the regular season is going to give you the opportunity. Yeah, it, it is, and 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 part of it's going to be you know who's going to start and who's going to finish, and then um, and what combinations of players are better together and why, um, and and so you know some of that is some of that is is something that we've got to you know we'll come to you know through the through this competition. Uh, and come to it, you know, pretty quick. Right now, I feel pretty good about 11 guys that are on our roster um, and um, having the opportunity to be able to contribute and play. Uh, AD would be the 12th guy, and and he has done a great job in practice helping Janai and Dylan and all of our frontline guys get better. He's really athletic. He's got a chance to be a really good player for us uh, if we get an injury or down the road. But right now, uh, I feel good about about. Uh, about 11 guys being able to play right away. And of those 11, four of them are, are seniors. you got a couple of graduate students. A lot of experience, especially there in the front court. Well, the front court is is very experienced. Uh, you know, Dylan Carwell and Janai Broom at five, uh, you know, they, uh, I think together, uh, is there a chance that they could be the best center in the SEC? We'll see. You know, Dylan has got great ability to rebound and defend, block shots, and guard multiple positions and he's phenomenal in the air finishing um and janai he's got that old school back to the basket game there he's janai's an outstanding passer dylan's become a pretty good passer and uh they're both physical and they're both got some experience so you know together they're going to be a factor cheney johnson and Jalen williams are going to play that four spot and they're both uh they're both really, really good. They're they're they're, they're athletic. Uh, they can shoot the ball. They can put the ball on the floor. Um, you know, we're 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 better in the front line. You know, right now this year. Um, you know, we're going to miss Alan Flanagan's toughness and his physicality. The way Al was playing towards the end of his uh, season last year was so so good. And um, um, 
Um, but I, 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 Chris Moore um, is is playing the best basketball of his career. His physicality, his toughness, um, you know, his experience, and then Chad Baker. Um, <laughs> he's got what you call it. He's got a lot of it. He knows the game. He understands the game. He's got a great feel for the game. He's got passion for the game. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. He can pass it. He's got long arms. He can be, you know, could be a factor. Hopefully, defensively, he's got to improve a little bit. But uh, and then Leo Berman, you know, as a as a fifth year senior, you know, guy that can shoot the ball and got a physicality to him and toughness. And I mean, we've got we've got we've got you know, like I said, eleven strong and Katie Johnson and and Denver Jones at the two spot. Those guys can both score. They can both defend. They're both athletic. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see. We'll just see. And, and listen, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. So we'll see where we're at pretty soon. And then the bottom line is because this team is so new, this team has a lot of room to grow and improve. Coach, the, the transfer portal is is bigger than ever. The marketplace for coaches looking for talent in the offseason seems to be larger than ever before. I'd love to know, what was it about Denver Jones, Chaney Johnson, and Chad Baker-Mazzara that made them the right fit of all the players out there in the transfer portal to come to Auburn? Well, I mean, I think the fact that both Chaney and uh, Denver had Alabama ties, um, that was huge. You know, local kids that grew up, at a time when they saw Arab and basketball become nationally competitive and probably in the back of their minds and their heart of hearts, you know, would love to have played for Auburn at some point uh, and Auburn basketball at some point, you know, not many kids in the state of Alabama grew, grew up wanting to play Auburn basketball, maybe during Charles Barkley's era or maybe during Chris Porter's era. But certainly during Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and Jared Harper's era, there are kids that are growing up in Alabama wanting to play at Auburn. And, and those two kids are, are one of them. And then Chad Baker, you know, was a guy that wasn't heavily recruited, but I give my staff um, and I give us credit for studying. And, and, and really we did the same thing with Denver. We did the same thing with Shaney. We studied their, their games and studied their movements and studied their analytics and just felt like, and determined that they're going to be good players at this level. Now we're going to find out whether we were right. Now, we were right about Walker Kessler, Katie Johnson. We were right about Jeff Jasper and, and, and Wendell Green. We were right about Janai Broom. Those have been the, the, the transfers that we brought in the last couple of years. And let's see if we're right about these guys. And pig, uh, piggybacking off Dan's question and your answer there, I mean, recruiting is so much different than it was just a few years ago with the transfer portal now. You don't see uh, development, developmental-type players recruited as much, signed as much out of high school. No, you know what? Teams are trying to get old and stay old, um, and 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 you're right. There's a difference between an 18 year old freshman and a 22 22 year old man. Coach, I would love to know sort of the thought process that goes into deciding the out of conference schedule. It seems like an ambitious out of conference schedule this year, and uh, and and I know you've talked in the past about wanting to give this team experience before conference play starts and before the postseason starts. That they're familiar, you know, that they're comfortable going into unfamiliar environments. You'll, you'll go into some unfamiliar places uh, before before SEC play gets going this year. It's probably a little too ambitious, to be honest with you. Um, and But part of it is trying to stay nationally relevant. You know, I don't get on ESPN one of the early games unless I go to South Dakota and play Baylor. Um, nobody wanted to play Notre Dame in New York because it's like a home game for the Fighting Irish uh, in New York City. 
Um, you know, uh, USC is a great opponent and, uh, you know, Indiana, um, you know, just, you know, it's just, but, and then playing some of the, the teams that we play, um, you know, it's just, it's about believing in your kids and uh, knowing that if you, if you play this kind of non-conference schedule, I think the, the, the history of the NCAA tournament has been that you're going to be rewarded uh, by the committee with opportunity to play. And they, they recognize teams that dodge a bullet and they recognize teams that try to schedule tough and, 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 and they've always rewarded it as long as, we, as long as you win enough games and it'll be challenged to win as many games perhaps as we have in the non-conference in years past. Um, but it is still all about, you know, winning enough and keeping our confidence uh, even though we could have a few setbacks uh, as we as we get through this thing um, and preparing us for the SEC season. From the uh, from the few times we've had an opportunity to see since you guys are practicing a lot of the time while while we're on the air, this looks like a much improved shooting team. Is your major concern still defense as you head into the season? Yeah, I think I think we're probably a little farther ahead offensively um, and a little farther behind defensively. And uh, these are the, 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 one of the things about learning uh, the game is, is 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 most of the kids can score. It's just that what separates the kids is the ones that can defend. Coach Janai took it to the limit with the NBA draft uh, this offseason, and, and we were on pins and needles on our show waiting for his official decision. It seemed like uh, he really improved his stock from the beginning of the offseason until it was the deadline to decide whether or not to come back to college basketball. What improvements have you seen in Janai's game since he got here, since last season ended? And, uh, and, and yeah, what, what do, uh, were, you, were you as nervous as we were about whether or not he was going to come back? Well, I think that Janai uh, wanted to test the waters, and he also wanted to get feedback uh, from the next level. Um, when you get, when you do, if he didn't test it and he didn't get any feedback, then he could come back to what's going to be difficult and going to be challenging. I'm not easy to play for, and 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 recognize, um, man, maybe I could have gone, maybe I should have gone. Uh, he got information that he was close, but he wasn't want to get, was not going to get drafted where he wanted to go, and so therefore. It, it made the decision to come back, go to school, stay in the weight room, work on your game, um, all the more easy. So just being more of a factor defensive end, being more athlete, being more agile, um, expanding his range a little bit. You know, he shot the three ball a little bit. He's going to shoot it a little bit more this year, um, and and then putting himself in position, you know, to be able to uh, to be able to get drafted. And it's great. He comes back as the uh, preseason All-SEC Center, and everybody really looking forward to that. I, I had one other thing as we were – when we first got started, I mentioned the, the secret scrimmage. What, what, are your, what is your thought on that? What is the purpose of nobody's supposed to know what, what happened in those? In, well, in the, it, just, it just allows you – the nobody's supposed to know thing so, sort of allows you to schedule – you know, who you want to schedule. Um, it's early. You're not, eva- you're not, you're not, um, held responsible for it. You win, you lose. It doesn't go on your record. Let you work on different things. Uh, let you work on different alignments, let you experiment. Uh, you know, sometimes you play, you know, 40 minutes. Sometimes you play 45 or 50 minutes. You know, you, ch- you, you change, you wipe the squad at halftime. You keep stats, but nobody is supposed to get the stats. The idea is just, it's a, it's it's private, so you can make some mistakes and, and not, not don't have to be held accountable for everything. Um, and um, you try to play against somebody that's good. Uh, the last mm-hmm. two years we played UAB, and playing against Andy Kennedy's teams the last two years and those secret private scrimmages have done have been really good to help us get prepared. 
Coach, I really enjoy the way you and your assistant coaches and your players support the other Auburn programs as uh, as publicly as you do, including uh, Coach Harris's uh, women's basketball team, which has their season starting soon. I'd, I'd love to know more about your relationship with Coach Freeze, uh, you know, the new New Auburn head football coach in his first year and, and, and sort of uh, how you've, uh, you know, whether or not you already yeah. knew him and, and how you've uh, come to know him better uh, as, as Auburn you know, coaches I, these last few months. I knew Hugh, first of all, as a fan just watched his career and watched what he'd done and watched, you know, what a brilliant mind he had. And, and he won big time at some really hard places. And then I got to know him a little bit through Coach Malzahn because he and Gus were really good friends. And Gus was our coach, and Gus and I were really good friends. And um, I also, uh, my son, Stephen, got to know Hugh a little bit um, and, and through that same relationship. And I always kind of appreciated the way Hugh treated Stephen and the respect and the, their, their own personal relationship. Um, and so then when, you know, when John Cohen was looking for, you know, looking for a new football coach, you know, we had, we had a little insight. We had a relationship there and got to know each other a little bit through the process. And I knew how badly he wanted to be at Auburn and, and I knew what a great fit he would be at Auburn. Um, and I know how hard he's working to try to have this team still be a part of the resurrection of Auburn football. And he's going to get it done. And he would very, very much like for this team to be a part of the kickstart a little bit as to what's going to happen in the future. It's going to happen in the future. Um, there's no question about that. A great man, great family man, uh, really, really loves the kids. Um, he's about discipline. Um, and it's about he's he's got he's got some old school in him, which I really like about him. Um, he's honest, um, and 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 he knows what he needs to do. I don't think there's anybody out there more qualified for this job right now. Um, and he inherited a a, a really 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 uh, difficult situation, one of the most difficult first years for for any coach to ever come into the SEC. And, and, and he's, and, you know, he's got us where we're competitive and I'd only like to try to finish the season off, um, in the right way. And there's no question that uh, Bruce Pearl can relate to everything he was just saying that's about ex- that. Expert analysis ab- is ab- what that's called. Absolutely. Coach, see where there are, there are a few standing room only tickets for AUM and uh, some of the, a few of the non-conference games. So we'd encourage folks to go ahead and, and uh, snap those up. We really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here on the, on the show. Man, it's great to be with you guys. You guys do a phenomenal job. It's great to have you guys part of our team, and and uh, I think people will really enjoy uh, the effort and energy this team is going to pr- uh, provide, um, and uh, we'll see if it's uh, good enough to win. And this is the first season we're going to have Auburn men's basketball on Wings 94-3 here locally in the area. We are thrilled to be carrying uh, games for you and your team, Coach. I appreciate you guys. War Eagle. That was head coach Bruce Pearl for Auburn basketball on the drive yesterday. Uh, We appreciate Marlene getting uh, that set up with Bill and Dan on the drive here on ESPN 106.7 yesterday. Got to air that for you. No Austin Hannon, of course, today. We'll pick back up with him next week. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
Wrapping up the uh, Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next couple of minutes here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Uh, Great show today. Uh, It's been really, really entertaining. Uh, We've talked a lot of Auburn and Mississippi State. Uh, We talked about some of the uh, quarterback comments from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, some really intriguing comments and wordage that those two guys used when they met with media yesterday also talked with uh jordan hill of dogs 247 uh, our georgia beat writer that joins us every wednesday here on the show uh brought some breaking news for georgia basketball as they picked up a five-star commit so we talked about that we talked about the injuries for georgia football and also uh the georgia and florida game coming up this weekend in jacksonville had tons of great callers on the show today uh emotions are high right now with auburn fans i think is is a safe way to say that uh um, and then just got done playing the interview uh, with Auburn men's basketball head coach Bruce Pearl, who was on the drive yesterday. Uh, so uh, really, really good show. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow is Thursday. It's a busy show. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge and Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. That's what's on the schedule for tomorrow as we continue talking Auburn and Mississippi State coming up this weekend. You don't want to miss it. That'll be right here tomorrow, 2 to 4 on ESPN 1067. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.